Thanks for listening to this episode of Screen Facts with Jason Davis, your movie trivia and discussion podcast. Please like the Facebook page and leave your comments or questions at facebook.com slash screenfacts. You can also tweet me at Jason Davis Voice or email screenfacts at yahoo.com if you have any feedback you'd like to give us. Please rate, comment, and subscribe on iTunes to automatically get new episodes every Wednesday. Well, joining me this week is my pal that has not been with, with us for a couple of months now, which is way too long. The Blazer is back in the house. Brian Blaze Berkowitz. Welcome, my Good friend. Good to be here, Jason. Good to be here. Good to have you back. I'm sorry for not having you on last month. It was the Hughes-a-Palooza, and I think you weren't really that into doing a John Hughes flick. You know what? I'm glad to be here today for doing this one, but, you know, it's always fun to be included in the Palooza. 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 Can you do Blazer-Palooza? Blazer-Palooza. <laughs> that would be fun. So we're going to talk about a movie that is actually a newer movie. I love this movie. And I love this movie not just because it heavily references Kiss. This movie references Kiss? <laughs> We're going to talk about role models. This actually has an interesting story, and I didn't realize this. The film was originally announced in December 2006 under the title Big Brothers. During promotion for the film Knocked Up, Paul Rudd said that shooting for the film was on hiatus because they were retooling the script. So then the film's title was changed to Little Big Men before being released as Role Models on November 7th, 2008. So Role Models directed by David Wayne, who actually has a, a small part in the movie as well. He plays one of the guys on the camping trip that we'll talk about later on. All right. The screenplay, written by Paul Rudd, David Wayne, Ken Marino, who also is in the movie as Augie's stepfather, and Timothy Dowling. The story, written by Timothy Dowling and William Blake Heron. Film stars Paul Rudd, Sean William Scott, Christopher Mintz Plas, Bobby J. Thompson, who, by the way, just turned 20, if you can believe that. Okay, I can believe it. <laughs> Elizabeth Banks, Jane Lynch, and Ken Jeong. Estimated budget, $28 million, domestic gross, $67.3 million, and a worldwide gross of $92.3 million. Let me me ask you to interrupt for a second. Do you think somewhere the producers of this movie are sitting there saying, you know, it didn't make $500 million, (laughs) but they're doing a screen fax on it. So $92.3 million, be damned, we've made it. I would love to believe that anybody associated with this or any movie that we've talked about in this podcast gives two shits about this podcast. Hey, listen, two shits, hashtag two shits. We've got to make it happen. <laughs> That's right. Hey, you know what? A good movie is a good movie no matter how much or how little it makes at the box office. And $92.3 million worldwide for this kind of a movie, not too shabby. No, I think so. You know, this is, we don't know when these numbers are from home video. They, most movies... Well, that's, yeah, that's just theatrical. I mean, I'm sure it, it made money. Most movies eventually make money. Absolutely. So, all right, let's 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 jump right in, Blazer. Did you see this movie when it first came out? Yeah, I don't know when I saw it. I don't think I saw it in the theater, although it's possible. You know, my wife and I at one point decided that we really liked Sean William Scott. Okay. We kind of started supporting him. I saying, this yeah. guy's so much more than than Stifler. Um, <laughs> Which he's great at, he, by the way. He, he was, but we, re- we, we for a while we were kind of into him. So I don't know if we saw it in the movies or if we rented it or not, but I do know I laughed. Yes. This movie came out pretty early on in my relationship with Sue. And when Sue and I first got together, <laughs> I don't want to, I don't want to get myself in trouble, but let's put it this way. Sue has loosened up quite a bit when it comes to her sense of humor. No. I think I think I've I've definitely um, been a bad influence on her or a good influence. A good influence, a, I'd have to say. Yeah. So I wanted to see this movie not because I had heard about any kind of kiss connection in it, which obviously is uh, you know a great thing. I just like the people that are involved in the movie. Paul Rudd is great, always, always, and Sean William Scott as well. So 
And it just looked like a funny movie when I saw the the preview for it. So we went to see it, and I'm I'm howling in the theater. You know, this I don't know what it is. There's something about a, a small child saying fuck that just instantly makes me laugh. You know, on one hand, I'd like to say you sick fuck, but on the other hand, I totally agree with you. <laughs> it's really funny. <laughs> it was great. That kid is is amazing in this. You know, Bobby, you, Bobby uh, J. Thompson. You know, anybody listening might think I'm insane, but you know, we, we're talking about good acting. That's Oscar worthy. I, I'm telling you, I you got to remember the kid at the time. He's like 12 years old. I think he's great. He stole the whole movie. Absolutely, and it's not like people go, "Oh, well, what about Gary Coleman?" I never heard him say "fuck." <laughs> no, he never. What the said- fuck you talking about, Willis? <laughs> Imagine, that would be a different show. The point I'm trying to make is that Gary Coleman. I think the appeal of him on different strokes was that he was this cute little kid. And this is the antithesis of that. Right. Well, the kid who plays Ronnie is like this obnoxious, like horrible demon seed. And that's an, and that's an understatement. Yeah. Yeah. He was the best in it. Everything I remember from the movie, if you go in the hierarchy of what I remember the most and what made me laugh the most is any scene he was involved in. Oh, absolutely. And and also to the credit of everybody else, the way they all played off of him, because right. he was clearly calling the shots. I mean, he's, he's <laughs> saying these things, and the reactions from the characters really made it for a good movie. Oh, absolutely. Getting back to what I was going to say about Sue, I'm having the greatest time. I'm laughing. We walk out of the theater. We're walking back to the car, and I'm like, oh, what'd you think of the movie? And she's like, oh, I, I didn't really care for it that much. And I'm like, oh, really? I thought it was hysterical. And she's like, oh, just something about like the kid like talking like that. I can't, I don't like seeing that kind of thing. You know, she just really wasn't feeling, I guess, because, you know, she's a mom. And looking back now, she probably was seeing it through her mom filter that if Tommy talked like that, she would, like, go nuts. I want you to picture the scene, though. You drop her off at the time, and she calls up her girlfriend. She says, I'm never going out with him. I'm never marrying him. And I'm never doing a podcast with him, ever. He showed you, Sue. <laughs> I don't think I don't think she hated it that much. <laughs> you know, it wasn't but I but I remember thinking, oh man, am I a sicko for liking this so much? First of all, don't sell yourself short. You're a tremendous sicko. <laughs> man, I'm just I'm just walking right into these, aren't I? Yeah, but I'm boom. I'm throwing them right to you. I'm lobbing them right in. That's all right. That's what this is all about. So yeah, I really I enjoyed this movie, and I think when I saw it. I did not know all the Kiss references were going to be in it. I mean, you know, for me to randomly come into this and see that, I remember just going, oh, my God, the Kiss Pinball Machine. Oh, my God, Love Gun. Oh, my God, Detroit Rock City. Yeah. Oh, my God, they're in makeup. So, yeah. I mean, it's, uh, you know, it's you know kind of the way I'd like to live my life. Yeah, I mean, I think I may have read about it, the Kiss stuff in it. I think maybe, like, the Kiss website may have mentioned it. I didn't see that in the preview. Right off the bat, when he goes to put the, the Love Gun CD in the, uh, the Minotaur mobile. First of all... Paul Rudd, hysterical. Sean William Scott, hysterical. And it's funny, if you think about Paul Rudd writing, you know, he did I Love You Man, where Rush was the big man. Mm-hmm. And, you know, pretty uh, timely Kiss and Rush, kind of the same time period, very interconnected to early touring and stuff. I kind of like the way that the movies he's in kind of wrap around the bands that he's interested in. Yeah, I mean, I'm assuming that he's the Kiss fan. Huh. I mean, you know, he obviously has disdain for Kiss in the movie, his character. What, but he, he, what did he say? I, I like to rock and roll at night and part of every day? And part of every day. I mean, it's gotta, party I, every day. Right. I got errands to run. I can like rock and roll between like one and three. <laughs> Game face, bro. Game face. You see, Paul Stanley doesn't even like Kiss anymore. Yeah, no? Paul Stanley's <laughs> sick of Kiss. <laughs> oh, man. So, <laughs> hey, listen, this is all, this is all about laughing. So, yeah. 
I was hoping we weren't going to focus on you know Ronnie saying fuck the whole time, right? But um, which we're not. No, but we will continue if necessary. A little right? bit, a little bit, yeah. Every time I think about it, what's great, you know, I didn't know Jane Lynch before this movie. I don't know how. Really, I did not know how. I mean, I, looking back now, you realize the things you've seen her in. Mm-hmm. But um, she was phenomenal in this oh, too. She's every, great. every one of her lines was perfect. The writing behind it just really played to her, and she nailed every single scene of this movie. I think she comes from an improvisation background. A lot of the stuff in the movie was improvised, too. They had to kind of stop doing that because there was a Writer's Guild strike at around the time of filming, so they had to be kind of careful of that sort of thing. But Jane Lynch has been involved in a bunch of those Christopher Guest projects. I shouldn't say a bunch. I know she was in at least one, and, and I know they do a lot of improvisation on those movies. She was in 40-Year-Old Virgin, which is also very funny. Right, which, which I don't remember her being, and I've only seen she, that once. She's Steve Carell's boss. Okay. I'm trying to think of some of the other movies that she's done. But she's always good. I mean, her characters are, are sort of similar, because she has that real kind of dryness to her. It's like she fears nothing. What you see is what you get. Yeah. You know, there's no filter. <laughs> and when there, and when she says it, she may, you know, it's a little tongue-in-cheek the way she mm-hmm. says it, but um, it was great. You know, we talked about who the cast was. Now, I noticed something when I looked at the cast on here. Mm-hmm. Do you know who Vincent Martella is? In the movie? Or in general? No, remind me. So Vincent Martella played Artonius in the movie. Okay. Well, Vincent Martella did a lot of things. He was on Everybody Hates Chris. Okay. But I don't know if you'll even know what I'm talking about, but he is the voice of um, Phineas on Phineas and Ferb. Oh, I didn't know that. Um, I'm I'm familiar with the show, but I didn't know that. Possibly the greatest cartoon ever, in my opinion, but I'll... (laughs) You know, I digress. But um, <laughs> he was also on an episode of The Walking Dead. Oh, okay. When they, when they were in the jail, he was the, the young boy with the glasses, then ends up getting infected and going zombie. Oh, okay. Joe Latruglio, I couldn't have told you who he was. <laughs> I'm still I'm still having to look at how he wrote his name down yeah. coming into this. But every single scene he was in killed me also. Every word, the way he played off the whole medieval thing. Outstanding. I know he's on Brooklyn Nine-Nine and some other things he's on it. He's another guy that's been in a lot of uh, Judd Apatow movies. Right, right. Also, um, The King. What's his name? Jung? Uh, yeah. He's great in The Hangover. Right. He was the gynecologist in um In Knocked, Knocked Up. up. Yep. Uh, yep. He's, he was, yeah, so these guys, a lot of these people have all troops. worked together. Yeah. yeah and it's, I, I like the way they do it. I like seeing them all together on yeah. it. Yeah. You know, I like um, Paul Rudd. Did you see? He was great in Ant Man. Did you didn't see that? Didn't see it. I, I have to. I, I definitely I want was, to see it. He, I, he I actually played done. a great superhero. He was great on Friends. Okay. Played Phoebe's fiance and then husband on Friends. Of course, Clueless. Yeah, Clueless was the first time I remember seeing Paul Rudd. And, you know, he's great in that. And, yeah, he's he's really kind of taken off in the uh, Judd Apatow universe. Yeah, it seems like. And, of course, you know, he he was in um, This Is 40. Mm-hmm. And we said Knocked Up. Yeah, I, I liked him a lot also. I liked his little bit of dryness. And I love you, ma'am. I don't know if you've ever, have you watched that movie. Have you seen it? I haven't seen it in a while, but oh, I, I did great. enjoy it. It's uh, Jason Siegel, it. and that, yeah. that's great, also. But I, I like I kind of like this whole crew, and it's uh, yeah. It seems like this wasn't necessarily a Judd Apatow flick, but it no, like but a it's lot like a lot of the same people, people. Yeah, but Paul Rudd. I just want to you know say about him. He's got that sarcastic delivery down to a science. There's one line in this movie. It's my favorite line in the movie that he says after um, he spent a couple of hours with uh, Augie at the lair thing and he gets picked up right. and they're, dri- <laughs> they're driving home. So as he goes, eight hours down, 142 to go. And Wheeler's like, this sucks ass. And he goes, dude, I just spent the afternoon in Middle Earth with Gleep Glop and the Floop-de-Doos, all right? Give me a fucking break. 
Every time that kills me. Is that your favorite line of the movie? That's got to be my can, favorite can line I of the movie. Tell, can I tell you mine? Yeah. All right. So this the, the first time I saw this, and I, I made a note of this to see <laughs> this, when they're at the school in the beginning, and they're walking out of the class, and the school kid goes, nice cow outfit. Where can I pick up one of those? At the gay zoo? And then he goes, no, no, it's not a cow. It's a minotaur. It's a creature of myth. And he got this one out of your mom's closet. And Wheeler says, she let me keep it after I fucked her. <laughs> I don't, you know, I don't know why, but you know, when you go down to the lowest common denominator, oh, you yeah. got to go for a mother joke. Oh, absolutely! And uh, absolutely. I love where he said she let me keep it after I fucked her. I don't know. <laughs> it was like because he says because he says it deadpan. Oh yeah, and, and, totally. and to a high school kid. Yeah, and not even high. I don't even think it's high school. I think right, middle right. school. It was, it was like a frying pan to the face when he said it. <laughs> totally, it was the kid, just and the it, kid's speechless. It after was that. so cool. It's so appropriate. <laughs> it's awesome. Yeah, there's a lot of zingers in this in this movie. When he first, when Danny, Paul Rudd's character, first meets Augie, practicing his, uh, you know, medieval battle thing, he goes, gee, I hope he doesn't slay me, you know, <laughs> or something like that. <laughs> there's there's so many, there's so many great lines in this movie. Can we talk about Augie a little bit? Oh, absolutely. So, that's McLovin, right? McLovin, totally. Uh, you know, that's, um, I have to tell you what, that, I, I watched- That kid is a great actor, too. I mean, he's he's done a lot of good stuff in a short amount of time. It was in Kick-Ass and Kick-Ass 2, is yep. he both of them? Kick-Ass, yep. Which is another very good movie. I don't know yes, if you've seen that. it is. Um, I, my favorite thing is- Tell you, Mister Whispering Eye. <laughs> it's a vagina. It's a vagina. It's a vagina. <laughs> and, he, he, and he can't get over himself. Right. And he said it. He like nailed it. Yeah. <laughs> oh man. <laughs> so in the final battle, at the end, one of the things that really took me overboard is that when they start the battle, mm-hmm. there is a guy blowing a chauffeur and wearing a yarmulke. I don't yes, know if you caught that. I did. In fact, I even said that to Sue when. Um, when he blows the thing to start I'm the battle, I'm like, like, I'm like, look, he's wearing a yarmulke. He's wearing a yarmulke. It, it was like, so, but first of all, look at, is that a chauffeur he's blowing? <laughs> and oh my God, is that a yarmulke? I also liked um, Lunesta. Yes. Yes. Isn't that a sleepy pill? Yes. And I send my enemies to their eternal resting place. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> and, and was it Lunesta was um, Danny's character, yeah, yeah, right? Yeah, Danny's character. Oh. <laughs> There's another line that, that Paul Rudd says that gets me every time too. I think it's like the second day that they go to pick Augie up and uh, Ken Marino is up on the ladder in front of the house and, he, and he's trying to get the Signatures? signature. Yeah. So, so Ken Marino comes over to him and he's like, oh, so what do you think about this kid with the fairies and the this and that, you know, and, and the uh, and the make pretend and everything? He goes, while I got you here in my personal space, can you sign this sheet for me? Awesome. Totally awesome. <laughs> like, you, I bet you that was improv. I wouldn't be surprised. I wouldn't be surprised. Oh my God. that That is so funny. So, Listen, we can go back and forth to this whole movie, but let's talk about the pinball machine scene. Now, can oh, we? first of all, I want a Kiss pinball machine. You know, That's I've... like the, I'm not a big collector of Kiss stuff personally, but the one thing that I've always wanted to have is the Kiss pinball machine. I, I know somebody that has one. I went with him to pick it up when he got it, nice. and uh, it really is the, uh, cool. the the shining light of the co- the collection. Absolutely. You know, even if I don't, I don't have really room for one, I'd like to buy the back glass. Have you ever seen that? Yeah. You could buy the back glass mm-hmm. and frame that. Suitable for framing. Of course. But, There's um, a new Kiss pinball machine. I saw that too. Which is pretty cool. So the pinball machine. It's one of the crudest lines of, of the movie. Yeah. My wife thinks I'm childish for laughing over it. <laughs> do you want to play Ronnie? Should I play Wheeler? I mean, what do you want to do? I'll be Ronnie. All right. <laughs> Go ahead. Who are these clowns? Kiss. You don't know who Kiss is? No, never heard of them. They look like idiots to me. No, 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 dude. These are four of the smartest guys who ever lived. They're these Jewish guys who grew up in New York, and they put on guitars and makeup to get girls, and all their songs are about fucking. I'm listening. 
seriously, this song is called Love Gun, and it's about Paul Stanley's dick and how this girl's going to get some of his dick. Cool. I didn't know Jews could sing like that. No, no, no. They couldn't at the time. That's why they had to dress like clowns. This got them girls? Get this. They've been getting pussy nonstop for 30 years. They're probably fucking right now, and they're old dudes. They put makeup on, and it's all good. No shit. You see, you pull the trigger on my love gun. See, Ronnie? His dick is the gun. <laughs> and scene. I mean, <laughs> I'm sorry. It's it's crude. It, it, it is so fucking funny. It's amazing. It's a great scene. You By the way, me? you're earning that explicit label right now. Oh, hell, hell, of course. Of course. That's fine. No problem there. Uh, yeah, that's that's another one of my favorite scenes just because it's a kiss scene. How they, I mean, <laughs> you talk about the genius and coming up with that. I mean, yep. you know what? I would imagine that Gene and Paul had to sign off on that. Oh, right? I mean, I, you know, probably not. They don't, I guess no, they probably have to sign off on the publishing that they were well, going to make they, from it. And that's, they sign off on giving them permission to use the music, obviously. But I don't think they need permission from them to talk about that. I, I think that they they're, can say that all that stuff about I think, Jews I think, and all that. I think, I mean, who, who knows? You know, I think that they're in, they're in the, pub, you know, the public eye. So, you know, yeah. you know who knows? But I maybe it's public domain because it, I don't know exactly <laughs> what it is. But whatever the case is, man, that was the crown jewel of the movie to me. <laughs> it's good stuff for sure. I'm trying to think of some of the other uh, Kiss stuff. Well, how um, about when when they pull up at the final battle with the min- with the Minotaur? Oh, in Detroit Rock City. Yeah, I mean, that's, you know, isn't that what you would do if you were going to have a geek battle? Of course. And then the makeup. And I love how um, how Augie's done done up with the cat makeup and he goes, you know, when he, when he refers to himself as looking like a young Marvin Hamlish. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> who the, the, fuck, who the, the fuck, fuck is Marvin, Marvin Hamlish? Hamlish? He wrote the music to The Stick. Good movie, Good right? movie. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. So um, there were very few screen facts for this, very few trivia facts that I dug up. So I'll, I'll run through those really quick. And we can continue talking about the greatness of the movie. So before Danny proposes to Beth, Wheeler tells them that they have to be at Blue Valley Middle School to teach the kids to stay off drugs by drinking uh, the energy drink. We're selling nuclear horse piss to middle school kids for $6 a can. <laughs> I don't understand what world we live in where they would let uh, like Red Bull come in and, and, and talk to the kids. I guess because you know, it's an anti-drug thing. But anyway, Blue Valley is the name of Paul Rudd's actual middle school in Overland Park, Kansas, where he went. Isn't he actually from Jersey? But He, he was born in Passaic, New Jersey, which I did not know until I... I and not so. horribly far from where we are now. No, not, not far at all, actually. So Danny and Wheeler... They have to do community service by um, becoming big brothers with this uh, organization called Sturdy Wings. And Jane Lynch is the, uh, the founder of Sturdy Wings. And she founded it because, you know, she grew up with a father who was absent and a mother who was a whore out of necessity. Well, <laughs> so, I wonder what she ate for breakfast. Cocaine. Lunch? Cocaine. Dinner? I'm, I'm guessing cocaine. Yes. Right? <laughs> that's, another, that's another funny line in the movie when um, she says to them... <laughs> Well, 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 if it isn't Mr. Bullshit and Dr. I'm full of shit. <laughs> and, then, and then Wheeler says, in what way are we full of shit? And Daddy says, which one of us has the PhD? What did he say when they were going to go camping? I hate going camping. There's always some idiot who can barely play guitar. Right. And that, that guy, by the way, that, yeah. that can barely play guitar is the director of the movie. Yep, I actually knew about that. And then you got this character, Martin. So Martin's this dorky guy that's been with this Sturdy Wings organization for five years. He's like the expert guy. What if he had a nickel for every year he'd been there? Well, then he could play a game of Pac-Man. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> so he keeps referencing a song called Love Take Me Down to the Streets. He claims that it's a wing song. It's not actually a wing song. <laughs> it was co-written for the movie by the actor who plays Martin, 80 Miles. During the credits, the song plays, and um, it's listed on the film soundtrack as being performed by Not Wings. They used a Paul McCartney sound-alike 
a guy named Joey Curatolo. I think he's in uh, like a Beatles tribute band called Rain. So he does the vocal on the on the version of the song that plays during the credits. But kind of an interesting side note is that the logo for Sturdy Wings is actually uh, very similar, if not identical, to a Wings album cover. You wonder, we talk about these movies. You and I thought this was a great movie for us to talk about because it was a great movie because of the Kiss connection. Mm-hmm. Really, I mean, music is, music plays such a big part in the writer's roles. I mean, think about it. Clearly, somebody's a huge Paul McCartney fan in this. Right. Another funny thing I like is when Elizabeth Banks talks about how she's going to work her lawyer magic on the judge, and Wheeler says to her, yeah, Beth, lawyer the shit out of it. And with that, of course, BerkLaw.com. That's right. <laughs> this message brought to you by BerkLaw.com. That's www.BerkLaw.com. That's B-E-R-K-Law.com. I like it. At BerkLaw.com on Twitter also, but it's another story. Yeah. <laughs> so if you are in need in, of legal advice in the Rockland County, New York area, visit BerkLaw.com. That's right. Thank you, Jason. You're welcome. <laughs> so wait, wait, let's talk about Sturdy Wings a little bit. Yeah. What, do you, what can you tell you about Sturdy Wings? Well, first of all, I, I found out that there is a website, sturdywings.org, that you can visit. This is a real website, and you can get all kinds of fun stuff. Uh, basically, all the characters are in there. There's actually a separate website for the movie itself, I think, too. But sturdywings.org is almost like as if it were a real organization. You can go there get a profile, a bio about Gail Sweeney, Jane Lynch's character and stuff. I mentioned before that Gail was addicted to cocaine. We talked about that, right? So anyway, (laughs) the Sturdy Wings approach is known as snort. (laughs) S-N-O-R-T, snort? S-N-O-R-T. S, swoop in and get him off the streets. N, never leave a man behind, or in this case, a little boy. O, organize role models for a perfect big to little match. R, realize that none of us is really an angel that we know of. And T, touch each child in a special way and change their lives forever. The innuendos, the touch the child in a special way. Like it's... Uh, That's fun, another funny line in the movie. Well, the, right, well, the whole thing was when, almost when she like... she demonstrates the appropriate way to hug uh, a little. Martin comes up and she, this is the proper way to hug a little. And she hugs him like a normal hug. And she goes, this is inappropriate. And then she stands behind him and hugs him from behind. And Wheeler says, of course we're not supposed to butt fuck these kids. <laughs> The movie is certainly crude. And, oh, beyond, and, yeah, And, absolutely. you know, it made Sue uncomfortable in 2008, I understand. Now she loves thing. it, by the way. Of course. Because my wife is the coolest. She is pretty damn cool. Hell of a uh, co-host on the show also. Thank you. Thank you for saying that. It's really crude, but the acting is outstanding. The dialogue is great. And it's, listen, it's a little blue. Oh, a little, to say the least. I'm so easily entertained. Me too. We've talked about that. I don't need much. Give me something. You like the escape of a movie. Just go, Just being at a movie the, is good for you. The experience. You know, the theaters are getting great now, especially in Rockland, where I am. It's reserved seating and reclining seating. And mm-hmm. uh, they had to do something because nobody wanted to walk out of the house anymore to spend any money to go to the movies. It's just well, yeah, easy now, to watch it know. at home. But, yeah, exactly. Um, the whole idea of going to the movies is outstanding to me. And we're kind of living in an age now where people are talking about how much better television is, how the writing's better on television, you know, Breaking Bad, all these other shows on that. But... Uh, Again, I just need to go to the movies and be entertained or watch a movie and be entertained. Yeah. I guess I, I'm glad to suspend disbelief. I don't need to be critically acclaimed. I don't care what the critics say. I just like to watch a movie. And this movie killed me. It was hysterical. That's just it. I can appreciate all different types of things. Sure, I can appreciate something that is critically acclaimed or, you know, they're gunning for Oscars and all that kind of stuff. I can watch a movie like this. And I have, by the way watch this movie a number of times and I enjoy it every single time I watch it. And I don't know if it's because I'm simple or what the deal is, 
But, I mean, I can really have a lot of fun watching something very light like this Listen, if over love, and over again. if loving this movie is wrong, I don't want to be right. I agree, sir. I agree. So let's talk about the people in the, in the movie, like some of the things that's kind of cool about the individual people. So Sean William Scott was actually once robbed by street gang members in South Central L.A. while he was trying to get a Baywatch audition. Did he get the role? I don't even know if he made it to the audition. All right. One of his big breakout roles was Stifler in American Pie, which we talked about. He was working at a Home Depot when he was cast for that film. And then after filming American Pie, before uh, his acting career really took off, he was a churro guy at the Los Angeles Zoo. Could you imagine what that must feel like? You're on top of the world, craft services, feeding you, doing all right. this other stuff. But that was a pretty big hit when it came out. It was huge. It was, it was, I think that was the kind of movie people were seeing over and over again. Yeah. And, I mean, he was a pretty big part of how funny that movie Absolutely. was. Absolutely. And you would have thought that his role in that would have just immediately catapulted him to not having to work a regular job. That must be really humbling. Probably while the film was in theaters and people were going, that Stifler guy is great. Yeah. And then they go to the zoo. It's, wait a minute. <laughs> that guy's selling me my churro. And you I'm know? certainly not going to eat this after he had it, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and this is the best one. Sean William Scott is described by those close to him as reserved and polite, the opposite of most of the characters that he plays on screen. So obviously nothing like Wheeler, who's a ladies' man. Was, was he in Dude, Where's My Car? Yes, he was with uh, with Ashton Kutcher. See, I like that movie. It was okay. I, I don't ever need to see it again, but right. I, for the time I watched it, I yeah, enjoyed it. you probably laughed a couple of times. Yeah, see, listen, I, I've had phases in my life where every movie I've seen was the best movie I've ever seen in my life. Right. That was not one of them. <laughs> yes, that's that's probably true. But, but again, I was entertained and so be it. Yeah. So Paul Rudd, we talked about, uh, you know, he grew up in Kansas, but he was actually born in Passaic, New Jersey. DJ Bar Mitzvahs. Oi. He is of Jewish descent, by the way. Interesting. Yeah. I did not know Both that. of his parents' uh, families were Jewish from Russia and Poland. And he also appeared in a Super Nintendo commercial in 1991. And by the way, Paul Rudd was also a student at the same high school as Jason Sudeikis, another very funny actor. Absolutely. He's awesome. Jane Lynch has a bachelor's degree in theater from Illinois State University, is deaf in her right ear from an illness as an infant. And that's an interesting fact, because uh, if we can go ahead and throw that to a, connect it to a kiss Ab- thing. Absolutely. Paul Stanley. Paul Stanley, deaf in his right ear from uh, Microtia. Birth defect, right? Yeah, there. yeah. But that's got to be real challenging when you're on a movie set and you're trying to get your cues from the other actors. If they're on that side of you, it's probably very difficult. You know, so. they probably, hopefully the director knows that and you shoot from different angles and you take that into consideration. Yeah, but I, you can't always shoot from one side, though. I'm sure there's got to be... A way around that. So I'm not sure how they how they work around that. She's afraid of elevators, too, which is uh, interesting. Interesting, yeah. Yeah. Jane Lynch cites Carol Burnett, Vicki Lawrence, and Ron Howard as some of her favorite influences. You know what? I could totally picture her on the Carol Burnett show with yeah. those guys. I used, totally. to love, I used to love watching Carol Burnett where they'd start getting hysterical during the routines. They yeah. Instead of just reshooting it, they would just show, show that. I could see her, that sense of humor, working out well. Yeah, Carol Burnett is one of uh, Sue's favorites, so... And and we we both love Jane Lynch. She's been on a lot of TV things too. In fact, she's appeared on shows for every network, which is very interesting. Boston Legal on ABC, Glee on Fox, recently canceled Angel from Hell uh, for CBS, which was actually very good. Yeah, it looked interesting. I would have liked was, to have we, seen that. We Sue and I really enjoyed it. We I mean, it had laugh out loud moments, especially from her every episode. So I don't know why they didn't give it a chance. 
and she currently hosts Hollywood Game Night on NBC, which is kind of fun too. No, they, um, yeah, no, she's great. She's an actress that I'd like to see some more stuff. Do you think this is a movie a lot of people have seen? Based on the numbers, a decent amount. Interesting. This was a good movie. I'll tell you, if you would have asked me in a million years to pick one that you and I would do together, taking the kiss issue out of it, right. I never would have thought to do it, but I actually enjoyed this. Um, <laughs> it was fun watching I, it. Yeah, it was, right? it, was, it was fun watching it. And to be honest with you, I've been... Th- I've been thinking about it. So in other words, I've almost been li- I watched it a couple nights ago mm-hmm. and I've almost been living with it since. It was a really good movie. If anyone has not seen it, I would highly recommend it. I kind of take for granted that anybody listening to this wouldn't listen to an episode for a movie they haven't seen, but I don't know. Well, Blazer, I don't have anything else for this movie. If you haven't seen it or if you saw it and you haven't seen it in a while, Watch it again, Role Models. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. Great to be here today. Great having you, as always. Don't forget to check out Brian's website, www.berklaw.com. If you need legal advice in the Rockland County area, he is your man. Again, it's B-E-R-K-Law.com. So check him out online. And thanks to you for listening to the podcast. Again, Brian, thanks for coming in. Thank you. Appreciate it. And thanks to our announcer, Kim. You can hear more from Kim at kymsvoice.com. And thanks to wickedradionetwork.com. Screen Facts with Jason Davis is a production of Jason Davis VoiceOver. Visit jasondavisvoice.com if you need a voice for a commercial, narration, promo, internet video, e-learning or training program, and more. Click on the podcast page to get information about where you can download and listen to past episodes. Listen again next Wednesday for a new episode of Screen Facts with Jason Davis.